Welcome to The Church Door, a place where I can post my Bible studies and sermons for your listening pleasure. I'm the Reverend Matthew Fenn, pastor of St. Peter's Evangelical Lutheran Church in Stratford, Ontario. Thanks for tuning us in. All right, welcome everyone to uh, our Bible study, Unpacking the Christian Faith as best we can. Uh, today we're going to be looking at um, falling from grace, uh, the difference between mortal and venial sins. Uh, do we hold to that distinction? That kind of fun stuff. Uh, so before we begin, uh, let's uh, offer a word of prayer. Lord God, you have caused all your holy scriptures to be written for our learning. May we so hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by the patience and comfort offered by your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast to the blessed hope of eternal life, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. All right. How many here have heard of the teaching, sometimes summarized, once saved, always saved? Have you heard that phrase before? I think so, yeah. 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 Some of you are nodding your heads. There is, it, it is, it is, um, it is what all Presbyterians and uh, Reformed churches believe. Reformed as in like capital R, Reformed, Christian Reformed, Dutch Reformed. Um, and it's what a good a good amount of Baptists believe once saved, always saved that when you, you become a, sorry, go ahead. Uh, I'm not sure about Mennonites. Um, well, I know a few. <laughs> yeah, a few. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. It's, it, it's tip. Yeah. The, it's possible. Mennonites. Absolutely. Um, I, I know for sure. Uh, that it, it's something that Calvinists believe, um, and that, and that, and I was just citing the groups that I know are Calvinists. <laughs> um, so once saved, always saved. This is this is an idea that you 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 might have, um, you might encounter if you have Christian friends from other denominations. Uh, this might this is something that you might uh, encounter if you're reading something online. Um, and it's the idea that if you're truly a Christian, you can't lose your salvation. And so the people uh, who fell away um, in, in this idea, they would not have ever been truly Christians to begin with. Because if you were a true Christian, you wouldn't have fallen away. If, if you were going to... If somebody proposed that teaching to you and, and said that that's what they believe, and, and how would you respond? Well, what do you have to do to be a true Christian? <laughs> now that, no, that's that, that's a good question. That's that's a really good question. And the evidence uh, is on you. Yeah, some, and and a lot of times it, it would be. Absolutely. Some some groups though might might say you know well just do you really 
do you believe in Jesus? And, but it, you're right. It comes down to, do you really truly deep down in your heart of hearts believe in Jesus? Um, so that's, but salvation doesn't depend on you. It depends on Jesus. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, uh, so just as we begin, because a lot of, a lot of what we're going to be talking about here kind of focuses around this sort of topic in different ways. Um, we'll just look up a few verses to begin with that, that kind of show us that faith, forgiveness, um, salvation, if you want to call it that, they are things which we can lose, right? Um, and so we'll look at a few verses that talk about this and then we'll, We'll, we'll get into this. Um, I'm looking up first Luke 8, 13. Can I have um, some helpers here? I need someone to look up 1 Timothy 1, 19. All right. Um, who's going to do 1 Timothy 1, 19? I'll do it. Okay, Fern, great. Um, I need someone to find the parable of the unmerciful servant. And that should be in Matthew chapter 18. I'm not sure of the verse. So you'll need a Bible that's got, um, uh, you'll be able to have to find it in Matthew 18. So someone who wants to try to find the parable of the unmerciful servant. I I'll try. I got it. Uh, all right. Uh, Wendy's got it. Wendy's got it. Okay. I need 1 Corinthians 1, 9.27. 1 Corinthians 9.27. Uh, Rob, do you want to do that? All right. I need someone for Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 to 19. Dale will do it. All right. And I need last one for this is uh, Hebrews 3, 12 to 19. And I need Second Peter two, twenty to twenty two. Second Peter two, twenty to twenty two. Sure. All right, great. All right, so I'll start here. Luke eight thirteen. And uh, so this is the parable of the the soils. And he said and, and the seed goes and it falls on different soils. But notice what Jesus says. And the ones on the rock are those who hear the word, receive it with joy, but they have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, they fall away. So notice he, he doesn't say that they didn't ever have faith. They didn't have true faith. It says they actually believed for a while, but then a time of testing came, and they fell away. So that's just, we're just saying that we're, right now we're just establishing the fact that faith, and this one says faith can be lost. Uh, you can have faith and, and fall away. Um, uh, next one, 1 Timothy 1, 19. Holding on to faith and a good conscience, some have rejected these and so have shipwrecked their faith. Shipwrecked their faith. So you can, you can reject the good conscience that has been given to you by the gospel. And you can, by rejecting that, shipwreck your faith. 
and, and it, uh, shipwreck means there's a ship that's been wrecked. Not that there was never a <laughs> ship to begin with, right? Um, you need to have a ship to, to wreck it. And to shipwreck your faith means you have to have faith, but now you've destroyed it. Uh, great. Um, the parable of the unmerciful servant, we're looking, um, yeah, can, it, it, I don't think it's too long. You want me to read it? Okay. Mm -hmm. And Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that they had, all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell to the ground and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what, he had, what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported it to their master, all that had taken place. And then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me, and you should have mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you. And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Yeah, A very interesting parable. Um, What's interesting for our purposes is to note that that servant's debt was forgiven. The king had forgiven him his debt. And yet at the end, because um, the servant didn't forgive his other, his, his lesser servant, that uh, forgiveness of debt was canceled and he ended up having to pay it back anyway. Um, and he's thrown into the prison until he can pay it back. So forgiveness can be, uh, it's not a once saved, always saved kind of thing. God's forgiveness is available to us, uh, but um, uh, we have to show the same kind of mercy to others. Uh, at least that's what that parable says. Um, uh, what's the next one on our list? 1 Corinthians 9.27. But I discipline my body and keep it under control lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Right. So here we are. The Apostle Paul says that he's got to discipline his body so that he doesn't become disqualified. Now, if he didn't believe he could be disqualified, why did he write it that way? Uh, it, it doesn't make sense to, to say, lest I become disqualified if he had no chance of actually becoming disqualified. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 to 19. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart 
that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if we hold firmly to the end the confidence we had at first. As has just been said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the desert? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. Right. And so uh, notice that this is not written um, to unbelievers rejecting the gospel. This is written to brothers. That's what he says in verse 12. Uh, beware brothers lest there be in you so um and then he makes the analogy um with the israelites coming out of the desert god saved them uh and yet they ended up dying in the wilderness because they refused to believe in god they worshiped the calf instead right and um so um the the author to the hebrews has a couple very stern warnings uh, that one's the clearest of them all. Uh, but there's one in chapter six as well, which is a, a tad bit more famous than that one. Um, and then finally, 2 Peter 2, 20 through 22. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome. The latter end is worse for them than the beginning. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of the righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. But it has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to his own vomit and a sow having washed to her wallowing in the mire. Yeah, great. So, um, so the, the latter end of these people is worse than the first because um, they knew, they escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of their Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, but then went back to their old way of life uh, and became entangled in it again. So those are, and those are only some. Uh, there's more. This is not a... Um, this is not a minor teaching of scripture. This is a warning that is throughout Paul's letters. It's in the New Testament. It's in the Old Testament. Um, uh, it's, it's a very frequent reminder and warning. So it's, it's, it's good that we consider it too. For, and we'll look, as we go on, we're gonna, we'll, we'll see why it is we need to talk about these kinds of things. Um, um, and I'm sure... You, some of you already have thoughts brewing in your head, and, and we'll 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 get we'll get through those. Um, so we 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 start out then by noting that we've been given a lot of things as Christians, right? As Christians, we've been given 
faith, right? We've been given uh, prayer. Um, God had the whole, we've been given the Holy Spirit who begins sanctification in us, right? Um, we have that, th those things, but does that mean we don't have sin? No. No. Um, right? We, as Lutherans, good Lutherans, we believe that we're simultaneously Saints and, sinners. saints and sinners, right? So we're, we're, we're saints because we have been justified and declared forgiven by the blood of Jesus. And we cling to that for dear life, right? Not of any merit or worthiness on our part, but simply because Jesus is merit, merit and worthiness. Um, yet at the same time, we are sinners. We, there is a disease that clings to us. Um, and, and that disease has effects, doesn't it? Um, Sometimes it flares up. Um, uh, sometimes you're able to keep it under control. Sometimes you're not. Uh, I'm, you know, sometimes it's like a game of whack-a-mole. You, you beat one sin you, and another one pops up and, and you know, you, you, it, sometimes you feel like, you know, you're two steps forward and three steps backwards. Um, that's the way of the Christian life. Um, and we, we recognize that and, and we, we see that in such passages as Romans 7, right? The good that I want to do, that I don't do, right? Uh, we see that um, and we understand that. And that's important to understand going into this. Um, now, the Lutheran Church has always taught the distinction between mortal and venial sins. Though it, we teach it, I think we teach it slightly differently than perhaps the Roman Catholic Church might. Um, and at least, at least, um, as I was reading uh, Melanchthon on this, he he clearly differentiates what he means from what the previous Catholics that he knew of meant. Uh, whether the Roman Catholic Church still teaches it the way they used to, uh, I, I'm not entirely 100% sure, but I assume so. Um, you always have to say that with Rome. Uh, Rome sometimes changes what they think. Um, and so just because the reformers responded to Rome 500 years ago doesn't mean they still teach the same thing. That's a different topic. Anyway, um, so when we say, when we talk about mortal sin, when we Lutherans talk about mortal sin, we don't mean, here's what we don't mean. We don't mean that if you do some, if, you, if there are certain things that you do certain sins that you do that if you if you do them you've automatically um, just because you've done them you've automatically lost your salvation. Though I might put a footnote on that. Um, it's not like when we talk about venial sins that we mean some sins are less damnable than others. How many sin? Which sins are not damnable? Which sins won't condemn you to hell? Um. <laughs> None. They all they they will all condemn you to hell. So so that's so important to get through because that's we are not saying that there are some sins which won't send you to hell and some sins that will. Right? That's how people might think that the distinction means, but that's not what we mean. Um. So that that's that's important to note. So when we talk about mortal sin, though. Mortal sin is a sin which is worthy of eternal death um, and is not just an outward action, but also includes your heart, your fear, love, and trust in God. 
Um, so it's, it's an action contrary to the law of God, which offends God, and which, here's the key, which is not forgiven, but, but merits eternal wrath uh, and, and punishment. So here's a question. Think about non-Christians for a second. Um, are non-Christians guilty of mortal sin? Based on the, 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 do they do things that are contrary to the law of God, which offend him and which are not forgiven? Not having faith is one. Right. Bingo. Right. So, uh, because we know, we've already discussed that, right? What's the way you're forgiven? Faith. You trust Jesus. If you trust in the mercy that's offered to you because of Jesus, you're forgiven. So if you don't have that faith, your sins are not forgiven. Therefore, they are mortal. They kill you. They give you spiritual death. That's why they're called mortal. A mortal wound is a wound that will kill you, right? A mortal sin is a sin that kills you spiritually. And, um, and we, we were touching on this faith thing, and faith is super important when we discuss this. Um, on everything, um, and, and look at John. You, you don't have to look there because you know the passage. But John 3, this is what, isn't this what Jesus says when he's talking about um, um, it's John 3 um, uh, yes, whoever, verse 18 whoever believes in him is not condemned but, uh, but whoever does not believe, sorry, whoever believes in him is not condemned but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God, right? He, so it's saying, if you don't believe, you're already condemned. You're not condemned because you don't have faith. You're condemned already because you have sins that merit destruction. You see that? Um, okay. So that's, that's important to understand that. Um, so, um, and as Christians, we, we get this, I, I, I think. Now, um, let's move on. Okay, so, so when we talk, so when we, remember, we talked about original sin. Um, we talked about that in Christians, we have this corrupted nature, in everybody, we have this corrupted nature, uh, that we uh, don't fear, love, and trust in God above all things. Um, those, um, so sin, we have to emphasize this again, sin is not just the things you do, it also includes the bad desires, right? Um, it, it, it's, so we, we have to see that. Um, um, and then, so, okay, so that's mortal sin. A venial sin is the fact that for Christians, all of those sins that we have, they're forgiven. Why are they forgiven? Because we cling to Jesus. We repent of sin and trust in Jesus. So, um, <clears throat> mortal sins are sins that aren't forgiven. Venial sins are sins that are forgiven. That's as simple as I can make it. 
So what that means is, is that venial sins are forgiven because the Christian has repentance and faith. Because we repent of sin and trust in Jesus, our sins are forgiven. They are venial. They're not charged against us. God forgives them. Does that make sense? Uh, this is a simply, um, what that means is um, when you sin as a Christian and then you repent of it and trust in Jesus, faith isn't driven away, right? You still have faith. It hasn't killed you spiritually. Okay. Hopefully that that helps. Uh, well, some, we only that... need sin as big as a mustard seed, right? Or I mean, um, faith as big as a mustard right. seed. Right. That, that... <laughs> Not sin as big as Not a mustard seed. Not sin, yeah. Yeah. Um, th 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 that's a very good point, Gail. Because... I don't think sins come that small. <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> <I'm> true. <laughs> but that is such a good point. Because how much faith is needed to trust Jesus? Just, just, he says, just the mustard, just the, the teeniest, tiniest bit, you know? Um, so we're not looking, oh, do you really have true, deep, super confident, move mountains faith? Well, it'd be great, but Jesus, that's not what Jesus says. He says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, even the teeniest, tiniest little bit of faith. And what does Jesus say to that man when he comes down the, um, that the comes down the mountain of transfiguration uh i believe the guy says to jesus i believe help my unbelief <laughs> so there, there's a way in which that's a, a little that's a, all of us a little bit um so but the, the reason we need to um there's three reasons why we need to talk about this distinction between mortal sins sins which are not forgiven because there is no repentance and faith and sins which are forgiven, venial sins. Uh, number one is so that we would learn to recognize, acknowledge, and avoid sin. <laughs> right? It, it means that it, this is, we, we, we continue to teach this so that we remember that sin is a serious thing. Right? It, it doesn't go away. Um, the only reason your sins don't condemn you is because you trust in Jesus and he pardons you. That's it. Um, uh, you give up that faith and those sins will consume you again, right? Uh, if, you, if you're in the ocean and you let go of the, the life preserver, the, the waves are going to pull you under, right? That kind of thing. Um, so that the second reason is if you're caught in a sin, you don't obstinately per persevere in it you you repent <laughs> we teach this distinction so that you learn to repent of sin and then um the third reason why we teach this is because um we need to learn to control the sin that's in us to to fight it to uh, so we need to be fighting against it and that kind of thing and, and that's uh one of the reasons why we teach this um here's a question are some sins gail mentioned this uh, are some sins so small that they don't need to be forgiven no, no. all no. sins right all sins um and so um now um while we understand on a um human level 
human level. As we, when we understand on a human level, some sins are worse than others. On a divine send you to hell level, are, is any sin not going to send you to hell? No. Yeah, no. Right? So even if we make a distinction between hating somebody and murder and saying it's kind of worse to murder somebody, either way, it doesn't matter. You're still condemned, mm -hmm. right? You're still sinning and you're still condemned, right? Yeah. Uh, right. So no, there's no wiggle room out of that. Even if we make a distinction between one sin being worse than the other, either way, all sin will send you to hell no matter how small. Great. That's, that's easy. Anybody need verses for that? <laughs> if we don't believe that already. Um, I've got lots of verses and I don't always use them because if it's something I think we know, then we don't need to back that up. Um, okay. It's non-Christians. It's non-Christians who think that sin is only like the big stuff, murder. That's right. Maybe adultery. They mm -hmm. usually are the ones that make excuses. They tell you tell you a lot that, that those are not sins. Right. Like, and yeah. You know, that is such a good point because that means that when you're talking to an unbeliever, you're talking to a non-Christian, you have to approach it the other way. You have mm -hmm. to approach it with the line of no, all sins, including that white lie, will send you um, to hell but because we live under forgiveness we need to emphasize sometimes the other way no 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 it, you, you, those there some sins are worse and, and and just because you're forgiven doesn't mean you have a license to do these worse things right uh it was not, we need you know depending on the context you need to make a different emphasis <laughs> um well the unbeliever doesn't think they're a sinner what, what what's a sin they don't even know a what sin? a sin is Right. That's right. Um, and sin, if you talk about sin, um, uh, people think sin is the, is the, the, the taboo thing that, you, that you're not supposed to do or the thing that you do when you go to Las Vegas or something. Um, <laughs> and so sometimes I heard a pastor once, uh, I read a pastor once who said, don't use sin. Um, use, you switch it out with a different word like evil or wickedness or some other word that, that people get more than than a word like sin um here's another I, question. i've also had other christians tell me that they believe that sin is only something that hurts another person <laughs> that if what they do does no harm to themselves or someone else then it's not a sin uh, but all sin hurts god and so therefore God right. is someone else <laughs> um is there some sin that's so horrible that Jesus can't forgive it? Yeah, the Holy Spirit. Spirit. We'll get there. Uh, <laughs> barring the Holy Spirit, I heard suicide. We're, we're not sure about suicide because um, if someone commits suicide uh, because uh, out, of, uh, out of a mental illness, then they can't, they can't really be, it's not a fully cognizant act is it it's it's no. it's a it's a weakness that that they've and, and uh that they've gone through so we're not we're not entirely certain that suicide is um a sin against the an unforgivable sin uh but generally speaking apart from the sin against the holy spirit which we'll come to later apart from that there is no sin that jesus did not die to forgive right 
Yeah. Oh, we, we, we agreed on that. First John 2, 2. He is the propitiation. Uh, let's turn there. That's, a, that's an important verse to see here. Even though we know this point, it's, 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 it's really good to, uh, to nail this home. First John 2, 2. Um, he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Um, and, 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 uh, um, what does, uh, uh, Paul say, first Timothy one fifteen that he is the chief of sinners, right? Uh, what's that hymn we sing chief of sinners, though I be Jesus shed his blood for me, right? That's, um, yeah. Okay. So then if. Um, if there isn't a sin that's so small that it deserves to be forgiven, and if, and if there is, um, and, and no sin is so big that it can't be forgiven, why are we talking, um, why do we make this distinction between mortal sin and venial sin? Well, another, we, we need to see this to, to see whether or not, he, so that a Christian can examine themselves. And they can examine themselves and determine, can can look and say, am I living in, do I have mortal sin? Do I have sin in my life, which I am not repenting of? Is there sin in my life that I need to worry about? Um, um, we recognize our weaknesses, right? As Christians, we, we deplore our weaknesses. We're ashamed of our sin. Uh, Christians, uh, we're, we're afraid of God's wrath. I don't want to go to hell. Um, we're not afraid that we're going to go there, but we're afraid of it in that we, you know, um, the way any child is afraid of displeasing their father. Right. Um, uh, we, we seek pardon, right. We, we seek God's grace. We seek God's forgiveness. Uh, we fight back against those, uh, wrong desires that come up against us. And because of all that, those sins that we commit, they're venial. That means they're forgiven. Uh, with the result that because we, claim, we, we repent uh, and we fight against sin and we, we turn to Jesus and we trust him, the Holy Spirit doesn't leave us and faith stays. Um, Romans 8 verse 1, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Okay. What on uh, Judas's situation, right? Uh, I guess we just assume that he's going to hell. He yes, uh, the text the text says he is. In, yeah, okay. It, it says he's the son of destruction. Um, <laughs> and it and it says it would have been Jesus says about Judas that it would have been better if he would have never been born. Um, so, um, but, uh, Judas is good. Remind me to bring that up again when we get to the end, when we talk about the sin, the sin of the Holy Spirit, because, um, I think Judas is a good example of what that is. Um, and I want to contrast, uh, Judas and Peter, uh, because there's a, you can learn a lot from contrasting those, those two things. Um, Okay. Um, so like raise your hand or, or say yes or nod your head if you think that the gospel requires repentance. Yes. <laughs> Obviously, we, we, 
repent and believe Luke 24, right? That's, that's, uh, it's not just believe it's repent and believe. Um, if you don't have repentance, we call that, uh, cheap grace, easy believism, right? Uh, antinomianism. Uh, there's a lot, we have lots of different words to describe that error and we don't believe that we believe sin should be repented of. Um, and we'll cut. We'll cover. We'll go into more depth on a future, um, a future uh, study on what is repentance. But for now, um, we'll just leave that there. Um, so, we tend to say when we get back into this. So the question we're looking at now is, but what if I, as a Christian, indulge in sin? What if I delight in it? What if I look for chances to sin more with impunity? What then? You're not and a Christian. You're not a Christian. <laughs> well, um, and, yes. yeah. um, and, and you, you, that, you certainly are unrepentant. Yeah. You certainly are unrepentant. That's exactly right. Um, so this is what we call sinning against conscience or to act contrary to conscience or having an evil conscience. Um, what that means is um, uh, because, think about this for a second. We say that faith cannot exist when we act against conscience. That's the phrase Melanchthon means. And what he means is faith is trust in God's mercy towards us because of Jesus, right? That's what faith is. We trust in the promise that God, that we are pleasing to God now because of what Jesus did. But when we, when, when that confidence that we're pleased, that confidence is thrown away and discarded when we approve of and do something which we know that God doesn't want us to do, right? I am pleasing to God because of what Jesus did. And then to go and say, and God really hates this, and so I'm going to go do it. Um, those two things are not compatible. Um, they, don't, they, don't, they cannot be together. You either repent of sin and trust Jesus, or you embrace sin. Um, especially as a Christian, because as Christians, we know that, you know, these things are, are not what God wanted. Um, Jesus so we, doesn't want us to sit on the fence. That's right. So that's, that's right. kind of the sitting on the fence thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So you can say also that a mortal sin is a sin against conscience. It's to act against your conscience. That means basically it's the, the intention to commit sin, to approve of something and to do something and to work against your conscience. To, to, it's that willful, deliberate, I know God doesn't want this. It's not a weakness. It's not something that, that grabs you, right? We make a distinction between sins of weakness <clears throat> that happen because we're weak and because, you know, maybe we have an addiction or, or, or whatever right? Uh, be, between that and the deliberate, I know this is wrong and I just don't care, right? That's mortal sin. So right? sounded like a sociopathic mentality. It, it, it is in, this, in a sense, but I mean, it can happen to anybody, 
<laughs> um, apathy, I just don't care, is, 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 is like the Canadian mantra. <laughs> Canadians just don't care. You talk about well, God. Didn't David kind of do that when he had Bathsheba? Right. That's yeah. exactly right. Thank you. I have written down here the example of David. You nailed it. That's it. That that is the the example that we use a lot. David committed murder and he committed adultery and he committed blasphemy. Um, I forget why we say blasphemy, but those are the three we generally list. Um, and he did so, and he lived like that for at least nine months. How do we know that? Because a baby. Because she had a baby. Because <laughs> a baby. Um, um, and, and so um, we would say that during that time, David did not have the Holy Spirit. He did not have faith. He had fallen away. And so um, what happens, this is, a, this is a great example, but what happened to David? He fell away. He lost his son. He lost his son. But how did he come back? Because he prayed, and then he, he, once his son died, he said, okay, I'm done now. I understand, and he went back to God. A step before, though, somebody oh. came to him. Who came to him? The prophet. Yeah. Remember, the prophet of God came to yeah. him yeah. and told him uh, and, and preached the law and told him the story that, that convicted him. And David said, that person deserves to death. That, that man deserves mm -hmm. to die. And what does David and what does Nathan say famously? You are the man. And then, then David says, I repent. And induct, I'm a, I have sinned. That's what, he, right? That's what he says. I have sinned. And, so, and then God's response to him is, your sin is also put away. You will not die. Right? Mm -hmm. Perfect example. Um, if... That's that's that is a very good practical everyday example of what we're talking about here. Now, why um, why is adultery um, adultery and murder are two sins which we know always are mortal sins? Why? Part of the Ten Commandments. The part of the Ten Commandments, but also you can't um, you can't accidentally commit first degree murder. <laughs> Okay. You can't accidentally commit adultery. It just doesn't work that way. It's premeditated. It, it, there, there's always, right? You, it, you can't, yeah, adultery, uh, an affair at work or, or something like that that we see on TV all the time, those don't accidentally happen. Those are intentional, deliberate courses of action and choices. And so we say, generally speaking, those are mortal sins. Why? Because we all know adultery is wrong and we all know murder is wrong and to do them anyway when you for when a christian does them anyway when he knows darn well they're wrong you can't that's not an attitude of faith that is an attitude of sin that is mortal sin a sin which kills because it is not repented of but, but as you see for, but isn't ahead. gossip like that too because when any we sin gossip can about be others so it's any like, sin any so sin. We all are deliberately sinning. Well, Basically. yeah, we, we sin all the time too, but there's a difference between sinning and just because it, of that evil nature that we have clung, clinging to us. Well, and yeah, that I get that part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Um, you know, sometimes we, we act and then afterwards we're like, oh, uh, you know, I probably shouldn't have done that. 
right? Um, and it's, but we're, what we're talking about here is a sin that is against your conscience, which means your conscience is telling you, you should not do that. This is wrong. And you say, no, I'm going to do it anyway, because I really want to, right? Um, that's... Someone might murder somebody in anger. They haven't meditated. You're cutting in and out there, Pat. Can you move closer? Oh, oh okay. Um, if somebody in a fit of anger killed somebody just in the spur of the moment, they haven't meditated about it. That's right. That's why. Is that a mortal sin? No, not necessarily. No, because um, a fit of anger um, is, is a, you know, what do you want to say? A temporary. It doesn't have to be because. Insanity, yeah. 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 Insanity. Insanity, right? I mean, we, there's a difference between a fit of anger and first degree murder, right? First degree murder is generally premeditated. Yeah, I think okay. if I understand okay. right. It's it's okay. it's you planned it, you know. You you poured the you poured the poison in the cup, and yeah. you, you you know you, it's 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 the deliberate. It's the David thing, right? David sent him to the front line with a scheme to get him killed. Premeditated, deliberate murder, right? Um, but also a spur of the moment act where you kill someone. If you are glad after you've done it, yeah. then it's a mortal sin. It can be absolutely. Um, and so it, it, we're really dealing with depends on who you murder and who you, yeah. <laughs> um, so we so we're saying here a mortal sin is one that you act against conscience, and then Paul says uh, that 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 scripture that we had in in First Timothy one at the beginning, First uh, Timothy one nineteen, that he we, um, he wants us to have faith in a good with a good conscience right um and so um so there are um and so to summarize that point um there are certain types of actions that um not specific sins themselves but certain types of actions that when you commit them you fall out of god's grace you cease to be forgiven and righteous and you're condemned unless you repent that's always the condition here um unless you repent um uh, um so uh we we covered that uh yes so let's see let's see this distinction um in scripture um or um let's rom go romans 8 uh, now you'll see this applied to Christians. We know that um, we know that sin leads to death for non-Christians. We're looking specifically for Christians. Besides the fact uh, that we've already looked at verses that talk about um, losing your salvation, and that implies mortal sin, whether you have a distinction of it or not. Um, but Romans chapter eight. Um, uh, let's go up to six. Uh, five, actually. Yeah, let's go to five. Uh, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, and those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. 
for the mind, uh, for, the, for to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind of the spirit, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law and it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if in Christ, if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So you see it there? In verses 12 and 13, he's talking, about, he's talking to brothers, and he's saying, if you live according to the flesh, you will die, right? If you, and what does he mean by that? He means earlier, setting your mind on the things of the flesh, right? Uh, this kind of thing. And so what's the, what's the, um, the other side of that? Uh, the other side of that is to put to death the deeds of the body. So you see it, um, you see that uh, there. Um, so this means that um, we have these de um, desires that come up. Uh, if you give in to those desires, you're, you're, uh, and you turn yourself away from the God and knowingly and willingly act contrary to a commandment you clearly know is wrong, if, and, you, and then refuse to repent, fear God and believe in him, um, then uh, you lose the Holy Spirit, um, and if you don't re repent, you'll die and be condemned. Um, uh, so that that's um, and that and those uh, those those uh, types of things can be anything. Like we said, it can be false doctrine, um, it can be hatred, uh, ambition, lust. Lust is a big one. Uh, uh, all sorts of, all anything can be a mortal sin unless we repent. Um, so that means we need to be fighting against the sins that pop up. So if you have a bad desire, you need to repent. You need to say, Lord, have mercy on me. You know, uh, don't just let an evil thought pass your mind and unrepented of, uh, you know. This is why uh, when we if you say Luther's evening prayer, um, it, it ends with a, it has a confession of sin, right? And forgive me all my sins where I have done wrong. And so does the Lord's prayer. Forgive us our trespasses, right? Uh, that's the attitude we have to be constantly having. Um, and we don't we can't even know all our sins, can we? What does David say? Uh, Who can number all his sins? Cleanse me of hidden faults, uh, sins you don't even know of. Um, uh, but the, the point is not, as you can see, the point is not, oh, you did this and now you're going to go to hell. The point is the heart is to put it in, in a colloquial way. It's the matter of the heart, right? It's, uh, um, are you giving in and indulging your flesh intentionally, even though you know it's wrong, or are you 
uh, fighting against it? Do you hate the sin that you do? Are you repenting of it, trusting in Jesus, praying about it, this kind of thing? Um, look up a you couple know, verses. This day, this day and age, though, people, uh, when you think of the sin of homosexuality, there's some Christians that are homosexual, and they don't think that they're sinning. And, and neither does neither does the world because they want us to accept it as if it's just having a cup of coffee. Sure. Let's 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 let's. Uh, I'm going to talk about that in a second. Let's. Um, I'm going to look up First Corinthians six. We have to, I have another few another few verses to look up. I need someone to look up Ephesians five verses five and six. I got that. All right, Ephesians 5, 5, and 6. I need someone else to look at Ezekiel 33, 18 and 19. Ezekiel 33, 18 and 19. Someone get that? I will. All right, thank you. Um, I'm doing 1 Corinthians 6. I need Galatians 5, 19, works of the flesh. I'll, I'll get that one. Okay, thank you. Um, and I need um, last one on the list here. First Timothy one, verse five, and then verse eighteen and nineteen. First Timothy one, verse five, and the verse. I got that. Okay. All right. So I'm gonna. So this is here. This is just to back up some of the things we've been saying. First Corinthians chapter six. Uh, that's where I'm gonna start. Verses nine and following. Uh, I think it's nine. I wrote down nine. Yes. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor the idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. But such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So here we have a, a list of sins that where Paul explicitly says, if you do these things, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Um, and yet he says, so this is what you were, such as you, but you were forgiven, you were justified um, and sanctified you. Um, so that's important to see that these things aren't, aren't the unforgivable sin, <laughs> right? He's saying to the Corinthians, such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified. Um, uh, but there is the, the, there, the homosexuality is on the list uh, also. All right, e, what was the next one? Ephesians 5, verses 5 and 6. Or of this you can be sure, no immoral impure or greedy person such a man is an idolater as any inheritance in the kingdom of christ and of god let no one deceive you with empty words for because of such things god's wrath comes on those who are disobedient right uh similar to the last uh verse and this one it says god's wrath is coming on them uh ezekiel 33 18 and 19 When the righteous turns from his righteousness and commits iniquity, he shall die for it, 
and when the wicked turns from his wickedness and does what is lawful and right, he shall live by it. Thank you. Um, uh, I, I think uh, generally um, the sin we're in the Old Testament, I think iniquity kind of is the word that, that talks about the sin that we're, this kind of sin we're talking about, this sin with impunity kind of, kind of thing. Um, uh, what's the next one there? Uh, Galatians 5.19, works of the flesh. Did you want me to take that through verse 21? Yeah, whatever the list is. Okay. Uh, the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And if, if there was no, if these things weren't harmful to Christians, why is he warning them? He's warning them because these things are dangerous, right? Uh, uh, yeah, and he's, but, and, it's, and as we said before, it's not because you can't be forgiven of these things. It's not like you do it once and done, you know. Uh, one's damned, always damned, or something like that. Um, First Timothy 1, verse 5, and then verse 18 and 19. The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. That's verse 5. Yep. 18. Timothy, my son, I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by following them, you may fight the good fight, holding on to faith and a good conscience. Some have rejected these and so have shipwrecked their faith. So in, um, in that verse, what is he calling Timothy to do? The fight. The Christian life is not easy. Um, Jesus told you to take up your cross and follow him. And that means putting to death the desires that we have. Uh, and that's not good. It's not not good. It's not um, not fun. Uh, executions are never fun, uh, and yet we're that's the attitude we're supposed to have on our sin. We're not supposed to let any of it live. We're supposed to execute it all, um, and, and we're never quite able to. <laughs> that's why there's that refrain in the Old Testament. Um, oh, he was a good king, but he didn't do this, <laughs> right? He, he did all that was pleasing in the eyes of the Lord, but he didn't do X or he didn't do Y. Uh, and I almost think that that's there to remind us, oh, yes, he was a good Christian, but he didn't do this. <laughs> that's, you know, no Christian is perfect. Um, uh, but then to kind of end on a higher, to move towards a higher note here, Ezekiel 18.23 says, have I any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the Lord God, and not rather that he should turn from his way and live. That's God's, that's God's attitude. He doesn't want us to die in our sins. He doesn't want us to go back to a, a sinful way of life. He wants us to repent and turn and come to him. Why? So that we can live. Um, how do we deal um, with someone who's fallen into a sin like this, who, who's gone down this path? Um, what are some things we should probably keep in mind? It's a bit of a challenge because, um, as you all are aware, that I taught at-risk kids. 
And a lot of the students that got sent to me were, you know, like grade 9, 10, 11 students who were homosexual and abused at school, beaten up, um, life threatens the whole bit, right? And, and uh, through my counseling and stuff like that, a lot of them would, not all of them, but a lot of them would say they didn't want to be a homosexual, but for some reason, it, it's in their like genetic mindset. It's just, and they said they knew they were kind of that way when they were very young children. And the more we had learned in our training and stuff like that, you know, science, of course, is the big, you know, thing that's battling Christianity all the time. They're finding that, you know, there is biochemistry and some genetics, not all, because some do choose that lifestyle. But for the ones that can identify at a very young age that they had that predisposition, and they they want to be like everybody else they wanted to be normal and they've been battling it and the statistics at that time when i was teaching for perth Huron, um almost 50 percent of those children that would grow up would have attempted and some successfully committed suicide about 50 percent of them before the age of 25 30 years of age because they were so abused and um, hated by society, right? So right. I, I, from my ex personal experiences, uh, that's the one that always digs at me because I think as Christians, you know, we don't accept the homosexuality, but they are still God's children and we right. have to treat them with respect and dignity because we're all sinners. Right. Right. But and that's that's not the way a lot of Christian churches and and pastors I've talked to a lot. You know, some of them are just so hateful towards those individuals. Right. Right. And, and um, we don't have time uh, now to, to to get into that. But I I, I think that's a subject for a, a Bible study in the future. Uh, I'll mention a book though, which is really good. Um, costly obedience uh with the subtitle um what christians can learn from the gay celibate christian community um and so the sub the idea is costly obedience these are christians who believe in jesus believe homosexuality is a sin recognize that they can't they can't um yeah. change themselves and so they've taken up their cross and have lived celibate um because they want to honor jesus um I'm, let me ask you a question someone who has who has gay uh tendencies or is a same-sex attraction um and fights against that their whole life um and and uh, continues to fight against that um, um compare that to a christian who um is heterosexual but uh, has no problem looking at pornography or l lusting after women who is the better christian mm -hmm. mm. the homosexual it's, it's yeah. the one it's the one who's actually <laughs> fighting against their sin uh, not mm -hmm. the one 
who's straight. And that's something we have to keep in mind on this subject. Um, no matter what your sin is, and we all have our own pet sins, <laughs> uh, fight it. Don't let it get the other upper hand. Don't, you know, and, and, and it, like all battles, there's gonna, you're going to win some, you're going to lose some. The point is not, the point is to continue to fight against it, to repent of it, trust in Jesus. We have to acute, um, uh, like the story of David, we have to accuse ourselves. Admit that you have, are a sinner. Admit that it's wrong. Admit it, right? Uh, accuse yourself. Yes, I'm a sinner. I did that thing. I, you know, that, that's, we have to, um, th this is why um, my job is to preach both law and gospel. So when, when a text comes and it's talking about a specific sin, my job is to, to, to sharpen the sword and preach against that specific sin, no matter how uncomfortable it is or, or how much, much might make some people angry or whatever. That's, that's my job. I, so cause sin has to be rebuked. People have to learn, Hey, gossip is, is, is wrong. And you know, all sorts of things like this. Um, uh, we have to make sure that, um, where was the other thing? Um, the, the, and and that's that's the way that God uses to the preaching of repentance is what God uses to bring sinners back to their way, um, uh, and where is our confidence? This is going back to something Dale said earlier. Where do we have to recognize that our confidence is? Where's your where is where does your hope and your security lie? Christ. In Christ, mm -hmm. not how good you did the battle, not how good, how, how great your repentance is. Your, your whole hope is to rely on the worthiness of Christ. Um, you, you establish yourself, you, you uphold yourself with the, the promise of grace and mercy offered to you um, for Jesus' sake. And this is why the church has private confession. If something's really, really bugging you, you go to private you you call me up and say pastor i need some i need some confession and then you you you, you confess whatever it is is bugging you and i say yeah even that one right there that one it's forgiven right uh that's important and if and if the fallen repent what are we supposed to do rejoice rejoice there's right you know those verses there's uh more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 who have no new repentance um and just quickly the sin against the holy spirit is not a thing that you do it's not repenting <laughs> that's the sin against the holy spirit it's to reject and blaspheme uh the work of the holy spirit trying to convict you of sin and convict and 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 and, give, and work in your life and to reject that with impunity until death um that's um in a nutshell what the sin against the holy spirit is um, um and, and 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 we know this uh because um, all sin, all sins are forgiven to Christians, right? All sins are forgiven. Um, 
That forgiveness is, is universal. John 3, 16, right? Uh, God so loved the world. Whoever, whoever right? Um, if anyone, and, and, and therefore, um, uh, the unforgivable sin, the sin against the Holy Spirit is dying in unbelief and without repentance. Uh, such a sin doesn't exist in those who repent and have faith. And so the threat that Jesus has about the, the sin against the Holy Spirit doesn't apply to those who repent of their sins and trust Jesus. So if you're, don't ever worry, oh, have I committed the sin against the Holy Spirit? No, if you repent and trust in Jesus, and if you're worried about committing the sin of the Holy Spirit, you haven't committed the sin against the Holy Spirit. But people who commit the sin against the Holy Spirit don't care that they've sinned against the Holy Spirit, Right. Um, they sin with impunity. Um, if somebody wants something more detailed than that answer, I can certainly provide it. Any questions? That's, I know it's a bit of a heavy topic, but something I think we need to remember. That's a good Lenten topic. <laughs> well, I always say to St. Paul, he was such a great apostle, but he said also, that he had a hard time doing the things he should do and he did things he shouldn't do, so. We're not any better than him, are we? <laughs> no, <laughs> we do the same. And Peter. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's also part of the reason why, um, why true Christianity is always, it's never gonna be the popular road. Right, it, it's not the popular road to go. It's it's the small narrow way. Few there be that find it, because not everybody wants to give up their sin. Um, people love their sin, uh, and that's just the way. Unfortunately, the way it, the way it it goes. Um, but but don't so don't be afraid of that term mortal and venial sin. It's not it's not Roman Catholic. It goes back to the very ancient church. Um, and we just use it to, to talk about some sin, sin that is not for mortal sin is sin, which is not repented of and therefore not forgiven. And venial sin is sin that, although worthy of death, has been forgiven for Jesus' sake, because you cling to the cross and repent and trust in Jesus. Nice, simple uh, definition. There's not a specific list of sins. Uh, and we should occasion, occasionally take some time to uh, reflect on our own lives and and make sure that we're on the straight and narrow, so to speak. Uh, and then come to communion, <laughs> receive the body and blood of Jesus and hear those words, you're forgiven. Uh, <laughs> go in peace uh, uh, and, and trust in that. All right, let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, you have uh, given us many and clear warnings in your word, warnings to not embrace our sin, old sinful lifestyle warnings to fight against sin. Uh, Lord, you, you know how terrible we are at doing such a thing. Um, we don't do it as, as much as we ought. We ask, Lord, that you would help us, um, help us by your word uh, through the law and through the gospel. Help us to recognize our sin, to uh, repent of it, to hate it, to go to you and trust in you for the forgiveness of our sins. We ask that you would forgive us 
for all our faults uh, and don't cast us away from the glorious grace which you have offered us in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. <clears throat>